quick question for both of you. Have either of you, I don't know, dabbled around and priced out greenhouses at all? Yes. <laughs> yes, I have. everybody welcome back to uh another episode of let's talk turtles with uh i'm ryan and i'm here with tom and today we have special guest david kelly uh and we're going to talk about growing a tortoise collection amongst other things we'll see where the conversation goes david how you doing today tom how are you doing well doing great great to be here awesome awesome tom loving the new mic thank you much and uh, the three of us were also now um, Firebelly Toad Brothers. <laughs> Finally got mine in uh, after lots of uh, delays due to uh, shipping and whatnot. We finally, David actually sent me the ones that I was talking about on the last episode. So it's a cool That's brotherhood. Awesome. It transported um, me right back to when I was like eight years old at a PetSmart. I was like, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. They're awesome. Uh, the kids love them. My wife doesn't. <laughs> they eat she thinks bugs. they're goofy she thinks they're goofy and i was like yeah. didn't, didn't you have a no insect rule for a time yeah um i'm going to feed mostly uh worms and such is my goal pill bugs things like that it's really the crickets and definitely no dubia roaches so i won't be bringing any roaches in that's an absolute no-go in this household <laughs> understandable yeah. So this may or may not happen, but in about a month, I may be going to Firebelly Toad native habitat. Oh, really? What are you up to? <laughs> Maybe going to South Korea. We'll see. Oh, yeah. You're going to, for a work or pleasure? Work. Both, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will be looking out for the fire belly toads. I love, I love them. And David, how long have you been working with that, those little green frogs? Uh, it's not been a long time, maybe only a year. Okay. Uh, uh, it was one of those things where my girlfriend and I always talked about, like, remember those fire belly toads? They were awesome. And we went, I took her to her first reptile show and she kind of defiantly said like, it's fine, but where are the fire belly toads? And I, <laughs> I kind of <laughs> told her, I'm like, ah, you're never going to find them. They're not going to be here. And we turned the corner and there was like a table of fire belly toads. I was like, what? <laughs> so uh, we snagged them and they, they laid eggs six months later. So they've just become kind of a staple for us. You got a keeper. It sounds like they're <laughs> like, where are the fire belly toads? Like, yes, this is what I'm talking about. Before we even like got away from the table, she had money out and she's like, I want those. I'm like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen him at a show, not in a long, like 20 years, maybe. Never that I was looking for him, but I mean, that's that's yeah. unreal. It what a coincidence. A table, and she just happened to be selling some fire bellies for a friend that uh, one of them gone. It was nice little luck there. That's awesome. 
Um, one thing about Firebelly Toads that I'm sure everybody's wondering right now is, um, no, they don't have a shell. And I know this is a Let's Talk Turtles <laughs> podcast and we're going Frog Town. For the second podcast in a row, we, we went to Toad Town. But um, they are awesome. Highly recommend um, these guys. They're fairly simple to keep, very tolerant, and they're cute. So anyways, let's uh, let's transition. What do you say we transition, guys? Um, let's talk turtles. Let's talk. Nailed it. <laughs> gracious. All right. Uh, <laughs> David, um, you've been keeping, uh, if you want to give us a little background about what you've been keeping, I've always, always known you more as a Morelia head. That's where I first kind of um, found your name. But uh, you've recently been, I say recently, but you know what I mean, been transitioning into more of our colonian friends um how'd you get there sure um well i've been keeping various reptile species i think i did the math yesterday 15 years i started when i was on my own collection when i was 15 16 so um not too long but um started out with snakes and did a lot of, of obscure geckos um about 2017 in a random conversation with uh, an old, uh, you might remember him uh, from the Morelia forums, Josh Easter. He sent me a picture of his uh, Russian tortoises and their their pen. I was like, you're in Maine. Like how, how in the world are you keeping tortoises outside? He's like, oh, they love it cold. They're, they're a cold tolerant uh, testudo species. And uh, that was like a mind boggling moment for me where I was solely into geckos and snakes. I never thought about tortoises being adaptable to their um, to different climates and finding out one could spend the majority of a spring and summer out in Maine kind of got me interested until I learned, uh, you know, I was in an apartment. I couldn't exactly be keeping tortoises at the time. Um, so I just kind of put that in the back of my brain. I'm like one day, one day I'm going to have a Russian tortoise. That was all I cared about. Um, and going from there, um, I kind of, I don't want to say got bored of geckos and snakes, but there is a level of, it's a cage that you open every once in a while. The animal is doing fine, but it just kind of feels unfulfilling to some levels when, um, and I was kind of getting more interested in something that when I walked by it, the animal was there, the animal noticed me, um, a little more interaction going on there. Um, so in 2021, uh, my girlfriend and I moved into a house and for whatever reason that week, I've been talking about Russian tortoises again to um, a fellow herper and they sent me a message like a week later saying, hey, I'm at a rescue. Uh, there's four Russian tortoises that are in great shape uh, you should come, you should come take a look at these. So, um, I ended up picking them up and taking them home and it kind of made me realize, uh, this is what I've been looking for, for quite some time. Um, uh, in, in Kansas here, we have the perfect weather for, you know, spring, fall and summer for a lot of those Mediterranean tortoises. So being able to set them up outside and our lawn is overgrown, overgrown with, um, broadleaf plantain mulberry trees, um, being able to just naturally trim brows and bring it out to them. Um, it not only felt a little more fun to me, but also my girlfriend, Brittany, who is not very much into the basement of salamanders and snakes. Uh, she started getting really attached to them and 
the next thing I know, you can actually see off to um, uh, one side, she has a, a baker's rack full of different brows she now grows for the tortoises because she wants to help out and she wants to be involved. And it's become more of something that we can do together. Um, I don't know, make it hobby a little more um, compelling for both of us. Um, just going from there, um, uh, there's a lot of different tortoise species that seem amazing. Uh, I know you guys both love hingebacks. I think they're they're pretty cool looking, but for whatever reason, testudo is what I have latched onto, and that just kind of became, I don't know, my focus. I've got uh, a group of Egyptian tortoises. Um, I've got my Russians. Uh, I picked up a hatchling marginated just because, for whatever reason, that became another weird species that I saw a picture of and went, "That is awesome." Uh, dark shell and that flared skirt it's just a really cool looking animal um and pancake tortoises they're not testudo but it's a flat tortoise that lives in the you know the copy outcroppings of africa it's so weird they're so interesting that's sort of where i've kept my collection i don't really want to get too many tortoises i'd rather have less that i can focus on and you know take proper care of um unlike snakes where you can have like 50 or 60 and you feel like you can do it all fairly easily, I'd rather have maybe 15 tortoises that I can manage uh, along with their offspring. But. I think you made a really good point there. I think that um, colonians offer a different level of reward. I'm not saying that one's better or the other than working with snakes. I love working with snakes and lizards, and but tortoises just offer something in turtles, a little different on um, that personality that it's like they enjoy you being there. And I'm not anthropomorphizing a little baby, but uh, I think that's a great point to make. Um, yeah, so you got, did you get all four of those Russian tortoises? Yep, I got them all. Yeah, how'd that and, work out, the ratio? Uh, it was 2.2. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody had apparently dropped 2.2 uh, on the shelter's door overnight. They came in the next day and there were four tortoises. Um, and they were in surprisingly amazing condition. Uh they did full health screenings on them. And when I picked them up, I could not believe how, because I had not been able to see them beforehand. I just knew they were tortoises, they needed a home. Uh, absolutely perfect looking. Um, I ended up adding a, a fifth, uh, sorry, a third female. So I've got five total. Um, again, another rescue story. I was actually helping out at a shelter. They had um, a Russian tortoise that had just come in from hoarding situations. So. Um, I, it ended up being a female. I just kind of kept it separate. I did like a, I think I did a six month quarantine on it. And once it passed, uh, this quarantine, I added it to the rest of my, uh, my females. So what's your quarantine period? Like, I, I do know that a lot of the Russians can, they're almost all of them are wild caught imports. Is there anything you were looking for in particular when you were quarantining or just making sure they thrive and herpes virus, the colonial herpes virus. That was the biggest uh, fear for me. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to keep it separate for a while. I wanted to see if any symptoms arose. Um, I had swabs done, but I mean, as you guys probably know, if they're not showing symptoms, those swabs can end up being negative and uh, kind of give you a false sense of hope. So I did, I believe two swabs and six months. And then after all that, I decided, well, I think at this point it's fair to say you're clear um, and we'll hope for the best. And she's been perfect ever since. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's a species that needs to be worked with more. Yeah, they are, you know, 
I know to a lot of people, um, they're just kind of like the pet store trash, but for whatever reason, they become one of my favorites. And when I'm out there in the yard working, they'll run out of their shelter. And I've got one female that always bites my toes um, <laughs> when I'm out there trying to clean up a little bit. Um, but yeah, I find them personable and endearing. I was very stoked to be at uh, TTPG this year and uh, see Matt Hill's talk on them. Uh, that was that was a big bonus. Matt Hills, he's a, he's the guy in uh, Central Indiana, right? I was just talking to him. He's Matthew on Facebook. Yeah, All yeah. Right. Just, I, I don't know if you heard it on the uh, TTPG member thing the other night. Um, and this will come back around, I promise. But he was telling me he um, brewmates outside his Florida box turtles in Central Indi er, Indiana, which blew my mind because they don't really brewmate naturally. Um, just unbelievable. So with that said, you keep your uh, horsefeld or your um, Russians outside year round or in winter, are they garaged up? Uh, so or, I'm uh, or option C, <laughs> whatever yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, I'm terrified of outside brumation. Um, we have a lot of moisture in the wintertime and it's something that no matter how many layers I do, I really worry they're going to get too wet. They're going to get sick and they're not going to come out of brumation very well. Um, so I bring them in. Uh, once the nighttime lows start to get to about 45 consistently, I transition them to a wine cooler um, in my basement. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I keep a lot of salamanders. So I've got some wine coolers down there for um, earthworms and other uh, little salamander foods. So I just actually put them in there for the wintertime. Um, and that was, that was an adventure in itself the first year because I knew they were cold tolerant. And I was used to like, I bet 40, 45 would be enough. And I'd open up the wine cooler at, you know, 42 degrees and just hear like scraping on the sides, like <laughs> constantly. It's like, oh, that might be, might be too warm still. So then I bumped it down a little bit and at 39, I still heard the scraping just like constantly on the side. I took it down to 36, 37. And that's when they actually bunkered down for a proper hibernation. They tucked themselves in. They kind of made a little burrow out of the uh, substrate and just sat still for the winter. And it terrified me for my first winter. That was my first Russian tortoise hibernation. That was a really low temp. But come spring, they all just bounced their head out of the substrate and came out rocking, ready to go. So they're in there right now at 36 until probably end of March. We start getting about 45 again. I swear the animals are never as... Um worried as we are they're always they're like no nah, it's fine and do. i'm like i'm like that's really cold <laughs> my my box turtles i just looked in when it was 50 yep they came out of the ground yep. they know what to do it's amazing you got three yeah. toads right yeah tom did you and david meet when you were um at ttpg I, no i don't think so i think you were both so, there apologies for that yeah oh, no you're my. good i I was a little ADHD monkey, like running around, <laughs> absorbing all the information. I feel like that's awesome. I learned half of it and I lost half of it by just not focusing. Sure. So I had Weston with me. So we were uh, a dynamic duo, my 13 year old. So I didn't get to network a whole lot, but um, it was a great conference. Like, oh, it was fantastic. I had no idea what to expect going there. Um, I knew the talks looked fantastic, but I could not believe the kindness and the community feeling at that conference. It was 
truly remarkable. I have not been in, in a group of herpers like that before. Um, I, the minute I left, I think I texted one of my friends and said, I want to go back. That was, that was great. I actually just bought my membership a couple months ago. I, I very much would like to get back there and see everybody again and listen to more of those talks. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Matthew Hills gave the, the Russian tortoise talk. I, I just want to pick his brain. And I'm really curious if you have tried to identify any of your animals to subspecies. Oh, good question. Yeah, so actually the minute that talk ended, I like, I, I'd say, actually, I shouldn't say that. About 10 minutes up that talk, I, uh, I texted my girlfriend and said, get photos of the... Uh, uh, the carapace, the plaster on everything of all of our animals and send them to me. I'm going to go talk to this guy. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I went out and met him and explained what, uh, what was going on. And he did help me. And then uh, it looks like I've got four different subspecies. Um, but uh, he did, uh, he did mention that uh, I would need uh, a couple of better photos for him on a couple of them. And um, I need to actually get some of those papers so I can try to do it myself and kind of key that out um but yeah uh i had a feeling that was the case because i've got one male who's only like four inches and like flat it's kind of like a little hockey puck almost and then one female that's like nine and a half inches and like a perfect round dome you know they didn't even look the same so i, I knew there had to be something going on but um maybe i just don't have the right resources i found it kind of tricky to find like defined publications that had uh, the subspecies keyed out, um, especially ones that I would trust. So I need to get back in touch with him and um, figure that out because I'd love to start some specific groups to try to keep those together. Um, I do think this year I'm going to try to do non-subspecific. I just want to cut my teeth on a couple Russian tortoise babies, make sure I can do it, make sure everything goes smoothly before I try to get, you know, what, what to me are a valuable population of tortoises together um and but you know not be able to produce them or not be able to do things right so by all yeah, means they're... i mean you're not releasing these suckers in the wild so That's it's, right. okay, it's okay that you mix the non-sub uh subspecies or it's okay you miss mixed jeez man that might be edited <laughs> out we'll we will see it's okay to mix the subspecies i swear <laughs> um my question uh real quick was uh, for those of us who I love the Russian tortoises, but aren't quite up to date on the subspecies. How many different subspecies are there? I believe there were five. Um, Whoa. Yes. It's a lot more than I thought. And, and, there, and there, there's an extirpated one, too. So I think that's right. there's, there's five extant and one extirpated. Yeah. Are you getting your notes out right now? I'm or... trying to find <laughs> I saw an article. There's, yeah. an, there's an article in one of the Badigers that talks about the different subspecies of Russian tortoises. It, I, I thought it was 2019, okay. but I'm looking through it. But I need, to, I need to find that and we can put it in the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's it's a it's an article about the tortoises of Iran, um, but you know, there's one, th there's these Rust Rustamovi Russians, and they they they're very light colored. They have hardly any black on well, them at, that at all. 
So I'm just showing a picture of this article. Um, so they can be really distinct and really unique. Um, and it, it, they totally fascinate me because I like species and genera that have these you know, interesting regional differences and, and there's a lot of variations on the same thing, theme. I'm really into that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think for me, what started out with it was my entire collection is cold weather animals. Uh, for the most part, obviously pancake tortoises are not. Uh, we're actually in the, we call it the upstairs herb room. It's where our tortoise, uh, um, our Egyptian tortoises, our pancakes and uh, some Tanzanian velvet geckos reside. Um, but everything in the basement is you know, diamond pythons, rubber boas, um, salamanders out the wazoo. Um, so I really like things that hibernate for like half a year. And I really like things <laughs> where the power goes out. It's like, ah, no big deal. When yeah, I that's got to feel good. Sorry, yeah. go ahead, Tom. When I was talking with Matthew, and I knew Russians spent most of their lives underground, but essentially, it's like 97% of their lives they spend underground. Yeah, I was blown away by that figure. Because, um, you know, and obviously captivity will change things because they're not going through some of the, like, the same harsh experiences. But I could not believe that man, maybe only a month for some of those subspecies. They are, they're only active for that long, then right back under the ground. That is, they're truly an adaptable tortoise. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and, and I just, I think that shows you why they have been so successful. We're used to thousands and thousands of hingeback tortoises being imported, but we don't have thousands as pets around. We just don't, but we do Russians. They're, they're just really neat, really adaptable tortoises. I think they have a lot of potential. Yeah, I, I very much, uh, what's the word I want to use? I don't know, there's a small personable tortoise that can tolerate all those extremes. They have a future in herpticulture. I just hope that we can establish them in decent captive bred numbers before, you know, just hearing the number of imports that come in yearly, that's not sustainable. You know, it's, eventually it's going to collapse. Um, and I hope by then we do have Russian tortoises captive breeding uh, on a greater scale than we currently are. And not to say there's plenty of people that are trying or they're doing it and doing very well at it, but you know, we need a, a wide network of people that are captive breeding them. You took the words right out of my mouth. It's just going to take time and commitment. Um, it's one of those things that's tough for folks because you can go get an adult uh, imported animal for $125 or you can buy a captive bred uh, animal for $225 that's you know four months old and it's hard to stomach for some people but in the long run that's where we need to be at and um, so I, th I think this turtle in part this tortoise sorry turtle that's right Tom turtle uh, in particular it, it hits on every ch checklist that you would want to give somebody for a it's it's small and easily much more easily um, uh, kept it's t incredibly tolerant of a number of uh, environmental parameters. It eats just about anything. It's pretty, it's personable. I mean, really, like you said, there's a bright future. It's just going to take dedicated folks like you. They're on my list one day, like everything is space to dependent, but um, I hope to see more captive bred Russians in the future for sure. So yeah. yeah. Oh no, go ahead. My apologies. Oh no, if you have, I was getting ready to transition into uh, maybe another species, but uh, if you got more to talk about Russians, let's keep going. 
Uh, no, actually, I, I was about to kind of do the same thing. Are you in my brain right now? Like, <laughs> right. Well, you know, my biggest fear was, um, uh, what if nobody, ever, what if Russian tortoises kind of fall off and they end up like an Egyptian tortoise? And that's the, uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but that's always that little bug in my brain that says like, what if all the people, uh, working with them either phase out or they never take off and it ends up being the exact same scenario where you've got this awesome personable small tortoise and almost gone excellent yeah. point that's a driver for almost every species that i keep or want to keep conixus was very similar in that way um the same with uh pancake tortoises now that they're esa or their cites designation changed so they're not coming in anymore so what we have is what we have and you know, hopefully we have two of us right here are already dedicated keepers of those guys. Tom, we'll get you eventually. Oh, um, they're on the list. <laughs> I'll drive you. If I can hatch one out, I'll drive up a baby. Okay. Um, and then um, I really wanted Eastern box turtles, but I can't keep them in Ohio. So I, I went with uh, the Florida box turtles, which is kind of a cop out as far as like saving species. But I love those things so much. And then there's other stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So those are primary drivers for folks. And it's a sad story for turtles and tortoise. Sorry, turtles. It's hard to get used to that now that I, <laughs> but it's, I mean, that's, that's a sad truth for, for a lot of turtles in general is um, their numbers are dwindling. And if we want to preserve them in for people to keep in the future, yeah, somebody has to be working with them. We have to make that effort, but um, enough of that, uh, that talk, that was some serious talk right there yeah. uh, so let's uh, <laughs> anyway they're super fun and chill and awesome turtles i really like them um but what was it uh at, so you, these were those were your first that you invested you said around 2021 what what uh, was your next species and how did you make the jump from uh, russian tortoise to the new species that you decided to get into so we got uh we got the pancake tortoises first oh but um Sorry, the pancake tortoise is second. Um, but at the, almost the exact same time, we were kind of talking to Ralph Till about uh, Egyptian tortoises. Um, I kind of, well, we'll get to that in a second. But pancake tortoises, <laughs> um, I, I saw uh, just a video of a large group of pancake tortoises moving and kind of conglomerating around a food bowl. And I'd seen pancake tortoises before, but for whatever reason that day, uh, I'm like, man, pancake tortoises are weird. That was a very strange turtle. Yeah. <laughs> um, it just kind of, I'm a sucker for the weird and oddball and seeing a flat tortoise that kind of has to adapt to living in rocks and being an excellent climber and um, just kind of doing everything you think a tortoise can't kind of made me interested in them. Um, and going back to our, our weather uh, here, you know, in the summertime, we have some, it's pretty warm and dry. I figured that that could be potentially good for adult pancake tortoises, so long as they're getting regular mistings and kind of having, um, uh, what's the word, being able to dry out uh, in between big rains. Um, and it just kind of felt like a, a good option for us. Plus, I, I, although I do like reptiles that hibernate, I always kind of wished I had something during the uh, winter time to kind of focus and work on so having something that doesn't hibernate and i get to i'm still feeding and kind of getting eyes on and spending time with uh it just kind of made sense so um we added some of those um all in pretty quick succession i want to say 
in the spring of 2022. How many did you end up with um, putting that? What's your group dynamic? Uh, so I got about eight last. Uh, you went all in. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, so, and I've got three that are older. Um, so um, actually, it was interesting. One pair uh, I'd gotten from uh, uh, Garden State Tours that put a pair of adults for sale. I'm like, ah, those are really pretty. I'll pick those up. And um, a couple months later, my girlfriend was at a veterinary technician conference um, where somebody was doing a, a talk about veterinary medicine and pancake tortoises from a university. And uh, sure enough, one of our animals was up on that screen uh, on her PowerPoint. And my, my girlfriend's like, wait, what? So she went up to that woman at the end and she's like, do you know this tortoise? And she's like, oh yeah, that's male, blah, 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 blah. And like, it turns out uh, she was, had this university had done the last import before it had been shut down from Africa of these uh, wild or wild caught pancake tortoises. And then they decided they couldn't breed them. Uh, they didn't tell like they didn't have the stuff to do so. So they parted them out to tortoise hobbyists and uh, they all went to uh, uh, Garden State Tortoise where we ended up picking them up. So there's just kind of a small world too that that had kind of come back together. That's crazy. I watched all those videos when he got them in and built that whole outdoor area yeah yeah that's funny yeah it's a small and, room well we'll put it together for him is that the, the the person doing the talk was like yeah you guys have probably seen these on garden state tortoises videos and then she's that's when she saw our mail up on the powerpoint she's like wait a minute and the woman confirmed like oh yeah that was male so and so and we only got three males so i know for sure him because of his shells like that so that was yeah, smaller world Man, you got eight altogether. So you got three adults and then what, five juveniles? Did you get all five yeah. from a uh, same source? Yeah. Is that through yeah. Ken? Yeah. 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 Ken's a great person. So, Big into turtles, yeah. Kixis, pancakes. I had some spec eye that he hatched out too, some Kixis spec eye that I loaned out to Jeremy. And I think now they're with Tyler. And now they, I don't know, they're out there. They're making more spec eye. Oh, uh, that's awesome. They're, that's my favorite Kixis. I miss them, but I needed to focus. That was one of those, I was getting pancakes from Ken and he was like, hey, I've got these. And he offered them to me at a, at a deal that I just could not say no to. I was like, okay, yeah, throw two on there. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> so he got me, he got me. He wasn't even trying, but um, they are awesome. I loved keeping those for the little bit that I had them, but definitely, I'm sorry, time out. I'm home alone, but I, as far as parents go, but I've got a seven year or uh, an 11 year old and a four year old upstairs. <laughs> and it was just very, very loud. I heard some thumping, maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why every now and then like, I look up like very uh, low vibration. <laughs> as, as long as the sounds keep happening, it's like when it's loud, loud, loud silence. Then you're like, oh, <laughs> man, I need to go check that out. Anyways, that one just got me. Sorry about that. Um, so yeah, you've got it. A group of eight. Did you put them outside at all last year? Give them a little sun or did you keep them inside? I put the adults outside and they seem to do well with it. Um, however, I am noticing that a lot more food is disappearing inside. Um, so I don't know whether or not maybe this room is just consistently warmer. So they're just eating more to sustain their body weight and sustain themselves. Um, or whether, you know, I need to 
we watch that a little more this uh, summer because last summer I didn't actually get their pen built until probably July. So it wasn't a full summer out there. Um, I need to actually spend some time and see what they're doing this uh, year and decide whether or not from now on they're going to go outside or stay inside. Um, but I think I'm going to try it again, but with a, a different pen structure. I did a big eight by four pen um, with like tons of stack rock and whatnot. Um, and they all found like the same rock and jammed themselves underneath it and never <laughs> left that corner. So I'm like, uh, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll do a slightly smaller and kind of a couple more just really decent rock outcroppings for them to try to spread out. Um, but yeah, the adults it's just 2.1. So uh, initially they were uh, my one male was a little immature, so we could stay with them. But then one day larger one just like sort of ramming him and uh actually nipping at his shell so he'll get his own separate pen this year um but for right now they're just inside in um some uh, glass uh, zoomed uh, terrariums um for the winter um i'd like to try to get them uh back outside with better sandier soil too um the, the earth here is very clay uh, in our neighborhood um, so I tried to add some kind of thinner, a little more, uh, better drainage soil last year. Um, I didn't feel like I got it deep enough for the female to ever want to lay eggs. Plus she's got a cycle anyway to try to get adjusted to our climate. But, um, anyways, that's a long way to say, yes, they will be going outside this summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I, I love having mine. Like you said, they're like the, the craziest looking turtle and tortoise and you get caught up i think you get caught up in the familiarity of them because you've known probably about pancake tortoise for so long and then when you just stop and look at them when when you're holding them getting a weight or something it really just kind of like kicks in that like geez man this thing's like a three quarters of an inch tall and <laughs> and it's flexible <laughs> and i can um but though my one complaint about pancake tortoises is that it's the emptiest tank in my house they yep. <laughs> mine hide i never see them I might food just disappears. And then if for one feeding food doesn't disappear, I'm like, okay, need to do a health check. And I have to find them all and make sure one didn't like climb out. Cause that hasn't happened yet, but they, like you said, they are amazing climbers. Um, I don't know how zoos keep them on exhibit. Yeah. yeah <laughs> our, up. Columbus has them, has a big rock pile right against the front glass. <laughs> That's how they do it. And they're just all smushed in there. And they also, they have them with ball pythons. We oh. have ours with Angolan pythons at Cincinnati. Oh, that's I know, cool. I know they don't overlap and that gets me a little bit because that's like East and West, but um, it was worth worth trying and they've gotten along really, really well. So fingers crossed that they stay that way. <laughs> so so they you, you, you just have enough hiding spots that they just don't really come out much they just stay in those hiding spots maybe they'll come out to eat and bask a little bit and then they go back yeah i've actually my one male actually scared me at first because he's the most anti-pancake tortoise pancake tortoise I've, I've met he's actually at the glass right now just staring at me he interesting he goes in there to sleep and then he just spends the rest of the day like out and about and like with no fear uh, and at first I was like, am I doing something wrong? Why is this thing not in the rocks? And uh, not, he's just a super chill pancake tortoise that always wants to see what's going on. Um, but that's yeah, he's, so cool. 
You know, it's important. <laughs> I think a lot of, you know, so many people that are new to turtles and tortoises, they ask what kind of turtle and tortoise should I get based on personality, right? They're just like people. Okay, they have tendencies maybe, but you can get a hinchback tortoise that is crazy friendly. Most of them aren't, but friendly ones do exist. Yeah, yeah, he's actually, yeah, he's just sitting on his food plate checking out what's going on right now. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> um pancake tortoises real quick there's i think you probably give yours water the same way that i give mine water which is we pass this down i don't know if you know this chain of water tom uh i saw in your <laughs> I know, video I that you had a chick drinker and i was like what this is insane why am i not doing this pancakes don't need a pool of water for to like crap in as soon as i change it every day so i did that and then david saw it and then he did it and i was like yes pass this along this is space saving and pools are yeah. unnecessary but we're all connected in that way too so, so i think yeah. david is number five <laughs> in that chain i think david uh mifsa said it was douglas Dix that started it and so we're from douglas to david to me to ryan to you david <laughs> that's excellent the game changer yeah, I uh, oh. Zoom Edge should sell them as tortoise water. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm going yeah. to. Yeah, for thir 30 they, bucks. <laughs> they were the worst. They would drag so much dirt in there. It wasn't even the crap or the urates. It was just like I'd put the water in there and then it would like it was like somebody dumped a bag of soil on it every day. When I saw saw a video, Ryan's video with it. I'm like, I could not believe. My girlfriend raises chickens, so we didn't have any chicks at the time. I just like walked over, grabbed one, put it in there, and it was so nice not having to dump a container of soil the next day. Did you introduce your tortoises to it? Just like I introduced, because we have chickens too. You know, when we get when you get a chick and you give them their water, you kind of just put the little beak in the water and like, hey, there's the water, and then they get it. I did the same thing with my tortoises. I'm not sure if it was necessary, but I was like, here you go, buddy. There's the water now, and then I let them go. Now, I don't know if that worked or not. They're probably smart enough to figure it out. They're not as, as dull as chickens sometimes, although I do love my chickens. But um, I thought it was funny. Did you do the same thing? You know, here you go. Actually, you go. no. I, 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 got, I just paranoidly watched them, and I'm like, are you guys ever going to use this? And uh, one day, I just I was spraying down the pancake tortoise pen, and my one male just, like, shot out of the rocks, ran over to the chicken water, drank out of it, and then shot back in. I was like, all right. <laughs> they know it's there. And I haven't uh, worried about it since, but yeah. So do you miss all your tortoises? Uh, I tend to, yes. I uh, Let's see, the Egyptians, especially in the morning, because they are kind of that fog desert. I always make sure I'm misting them every morning, trying to get that humidity up, getting them out there for their activity level. And maybe once or twice a week, I'll do it with the pancakes. Um, I remember there was a... You know, because you can read all about how, you know, tortoises do love water and they will utilize it all you want. But until you see it in person, you know, it didn't really start to click for me how much a flat, you know, poppy rock-dwelling tortoise actually does utilize lots of water. So during a rainstorm in the summer, I was getting kind of concerned because I'm like, that's a lot of water. You know, maybe, hey, that shouldn't be that good for them. And I walk out there and all three were out just like laying in puddles, drinking it, using it. I'm like, oh, okay, this is actually beneficial to be doing this pretty regular, not within regularity without overdoing it. So I'd say twice a week, I'll go in there and I'll spray them down to where maybe some puddles will form on the warm side. So it will evaporate. It's not going to 
saturate and get uh, too cold and moldy or whatnot. Um, and they'll come out and drink, they'll lay in it for a while, then right back in the rocks. Um, and I'll do it every morning with the marginated tortoise too, although that one doesn't seem to utilize or even care about it that much. But I'll still do it just to kind of see um, if there is any benefit uh, in the long run. Well, David, you mentioned marginateds. Tell us a little bit about that species and your experience with it. <laughs> no worries. That was one that, um, my, so as I mentioned before, my girlfriend and I actually share this part of the hobby together. So, you know, with like salamanders or something, I'll just be like, oh, I want that and buy it. But with her, I'll talk about the tortoises and say, hey, what do you think about working with this species? And not to throw her under the bus, but she was like, no, not marginated. <laughs> Really? I was like, no, oh, come on, they're so cool. I love them. She's like, no, not marginated. She's like, I want Egyptians, which uh, we'll get to them after. But um, okay, so Egyptians sort of were Egyptians were next after the pancakes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. She, uh, she really wanted those, and I was terrified. Really? The <laughs> well, that, but, they're a lot of money. That's that would be my uh, fear, right? Because you're e even. A couple of years ago, they were cheaper, but they're still quite expensive. That's a big responsibility, big investment. Well, and so that's what scared me about them was like, you know, the money's one thing, but it's more to see this tortoise that's having pretty severe uh, conservation implications. It's probably not, it's not doing that well in the wild. Um, there are people that are breeding them, but they're, it's, they're still threatened. And then to have a little baby in your hands and be like, all right, you're responsible for this thing for the next 60 years plus. I was like, oh, that is, that, that strikes fear in my heart. <laughs> David, if you ever have a child and you leave the hospital with the first one, you're like, so I just, I just go home with it? Are you just, you're letting me go? Shouldn't someone come with me? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need guidance. <laughs> But luckily, uh, I, I knew about Ralph Till, so he kind of, you know, I'd actually talked to him in the past about them, so I was kind of familiar enough that, like, I kind of just put on my big boy pants and said, all right, we'll do Egyptians. Um, she had seen a male at a zoo uh, five years ago, and, like, even before we were dating, she had just seen that thing and said, that is the best little thing I've ever seen. I don't know if I can own one, but if I can, they're awesome. They're small. They're perfect. So I, I kind of broke down and said, okay, we'll do Egyptians. And um, thankfully, my fears were completely, you know, my own. Uh, they have been nothing but easy and, you know, perfect. Well, knock on wood, perfect for me. Um, they uh, I got three from Ralph Till. I want to say they arrived in August. Um, Thankfully, uh, you know, I think going to TTPG also, uh, or I guess that was in November, um, but uh, I kind of heard about the closed chamber systems already before. These were my youngest uh, tortoises I'd ever purchased. Um, so I was a little worried about shell growth and making sure they got that smooth shell. Um, and so far we are doing perfect with the closed chamber system giving them mistings every day that kind of get their activity level up. Um, they do not use a water bowl. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I give them, I give them one, they have it, but if they see water running down the side of the cage, they will run over there and just kind of like bop their nose against it and pick it all up. Um, so I mean, that's especially why I miss them every single day. 
That um, is exactly what Ralph told us, right? I can just see him yeah. going around the desert up to a little piece of vegetation with dew and drinking yeah. from a leaf. So cool. <laughs> and it's like clockwork. The minute that cage opens and I, I start spraying, I, there's one that's a little bigger than the rest. He just comes like out with force and just starts like zooming around. Uh, he'll smell kind of where the food's at, bop around and get some moisture, sit underneath the hot spot for maybe and 30 minutes, go over, eat, back under the hot spot, and right back in the hive for the rest of the day. Um, my paranoia got the best of me where I actually installed a, a camera on them so that, like, if I'm at work, I'm like, oh, I hope they're eating. I can just, like, click it on my phone and, <laughs> like, oh, they're all three on the food bowl. Click it off and go back to what I'm doing. Um, but I'm very excited to be participating uh, with that species, and um, they've quickly become one of my favorite. They're right up there with the Russians with me. Um, so you're building your way up man you're not that far away from pixis you know small <laughs> turtle that hibernates most of the year like <laughs> well, they're made for you well so i think the last one i'm gonna finish with uh finish out my groups with is uh, marginated those are i've got my one marginated right now tom and i started talking about those uh before we got i, I sidetracked us onto egyptians uh but like for, again, for whatever reason, that species, I saw it, it stuck with me. And that, that is the one that I really, I'm okay with four species. I'm okay with only maybe having three or four of each. I would like more Egyptians just from a, a standpoint of people need big groups. So I, I'd like to get more of those in the future. But, you know, two or three marginated, five Russians for right now, my group of pancakes, totally fine with that. That's awesome. Now, one question I, that I thought of as we were going through is because you've been in snakes and lizards for a long time before sure. diving into turtles and tortoises. Um, how have you found uh, and or have you seen any real differences between members of each niche of the hobby? Yes, yes. Um, the number of people at TTPG that met me, I'm like, oh, I'm David. I, I, I take care of this. Uh, they're like, oh, sweet. Do you like this species? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a really cool one. They're like, great. Would you like some? I, oh, man, I want to make sure everybody's, you know, working with what they love and we got to spread the love. And it was like that over and over again where I'm like, these are the nicest people that I think have ever, <laughs> ever existed. <laughs> Not to disparage any other group of people, but like I was really blown away by the generosity of uh, turtle and tortoise uh, persons. Just going to the TTPG conference in general, there's a there's an entire conference for the private hobby. Not well, not just for the private hobby, yeah. but yeah, for the private hobby, where people go there and they just talk about turtles and tortoises and they don't try to sell any necessarily. And I think they're maybe the only niche of in the reptile hobby that does that. And I think that is very impressive, you know, and it says a lot. Again, not disparaging other groups, it's different strokes for different folks, but it's um it's a very endearing um niche of this I, i'm not going to say niche anymore because i think i said it enough already but it's a very endearing part of the hobby and i i noticed a big difference so i was curious if you did too and you did um what we need though is some field trips tom we've talked about this before we need ttpg east maybe some field trips and get to make yeah. it a little more available for folks we do got a lot on my plate we needed a good organizer uh i've i've recently met uh a really cool guy named sean mczoo who keeps red-footed tortoises he lives on the west side of cleveland and 
it's like, yeah, that'd be a great idea. I've organized conferences and stuff like that in the past. So Uh-oh. who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll find a way to do it. Um, it. It's, it's great to go to Arizona and I would never want to do something that would endanger what the TTPG meeting is now. Good point. But to get us together in Florida, maybe at Ty Park's place to see the largest captive collection of colonians in the United States, that would be a pretty cool field trip. Yeah, we'll just keep nominating people uh, to go visit <laughs> until someone accepts it. Like, oh, yes. all right, yeah, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> so you're looking forward to getting more tortoises outside. We had a conversation once about, you know, size for marginated and other things. Um, have you come to any conclusions? Have you started pricing out your lumber? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Actually, uh, last week, my girlfriend and I, um, we separated our yard. Half of it is chickens. Half of it is tortoises. So we actually took land away from the chickens so I could start planning out uh, all the tortoise pens and where they'll all go, um, make sure everybody's got enough room. I want a little extra that way if animals stop getting along or if anybody starts becoming kind of a little overly aggressive, I can just split them up. Um, and then thankfully with uh, the Egyptians staying inside, you know, it's only the Russians, uh, the pancakes and the, the marginated uh, to worry about. Um, but yeah, I've got it all. <laughs> I've got it all ready to go. Now it's not a competition, but are you going <laughs> to go with something more along Tom's style or are you going to go something along with, with Brian's style? <laughs> uh, I think I need to revisit the styles. <laughs> Listen to the last episode. <laughs> but, but like, I, I, what I like to do is I, I can never pick a style. So I, I'll do one this style and one that style just to see what I like. And I usually like them all for different reasons. Sure. I ended up getting uh, last year, I believe it was two by eights two by sixes. And I, I just put a couple stacked up using, um, oh, I, be, I forget what the term is. Uh, there's like these little metal brackets. I think they were called welding uh, or mending brackets that I ended up using to kind of hold it all together. Um, it ended up looking pretty nice in the end. So I'm going to try to copy that, I think, for everything and try to build them all connected so that they all kind of flow together. Sounds great. Now, do you uh, are you a lid guy? Or do you use lids out there for your uh, for your pens, or do you so let the chickens guard them? So that is the big thing. We have so many raccoons uh, where I'm at. It is uh, we actually had a night where we put a raccoon trap out because we had started seeing stuff, uh, some activity, and we had two traps, and there were five raccoons in it the next morning. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a shocker. Uh, yeah. that math doesn't work four. in my head <laughs> yeah one and one four and the other it was very strange um, but uh, so I, I have a lid on them right now but um, I'm kind of tempted to go toward electric um, electric wire around the uh, tops going forward um, being a tall guy with a physical job my back is starting to hurt and it's kind of starting to uh, hurt a little bit when I'm lifting those lids up and down and bending over to so I'm kind of tempted to go more towards the electric wire route and kind of monitor it and make sure it is predator proof. Um, but that's, I think that's my plan for this year. 
I, I would definitely do that if I did not have children. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know exactly what would happen, don't you, Tom? Yeah. It's not I, if, I it's would, when. I would I would be subjected to that electrical current. I think, so. um, but yeah, definitely a great, great option. And just one I can't use because of the family friendliness of our backyard. Sure, yeah. I do, uh, I do wonder what our family dog will do uh, the, the first time that's installed, but uh, yeah, we'll just have to watch it a little bit. I, I've been zapped by electric fences plenty of times <laughs> as I've botanized <laughs> the state of Ohio and, you know, just like, oh, it's just all going in this cow pasture. And, oh, that was live. Oops. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think it's a really good deterrent. Do you have, do you use the, does the dog help with deterring raccoons? No, it's a, it's a, it's a 13 year old Papillon. She's kind of in her, uh, I'm old, let me do what I want phase. <laughs> She's actually the worst at it because uh, for whatever reason, she has this quirk where rocks are her favorite things outside. She'll just pick, like she'll just pick up rocks and like walk around with them. So the first time the tortoises went outside and she could see them through the mesh, it was like a moving rock. And she was like, whoa, <laughs> what is that? And she would just sit on our deck staring straight down through the mesh lids. I was like, all right. <laughs> that electric it's wire made her might... favorite thing better. <laughs> it's just right. <laughs> when I was, I was considering um, an electric wire, but I knew that it would never pass the spouse test. And, but the, I tried to sell it with, Hey, I'll put it on a timer. Like it won't be on during the day. There's tends to be less raccoons. Raccoons is what I'm mostly worried about. It's like, it'll just come on at night. And um, I still like that idea. And maybe one day I'll push it because like you, I get tired of like raising those lids. Cause I, I don't put turtles outside until it's there ready to stay. Like, I don't want to put them out. I'm not, I'm it's to each their own. I will forget them. It's too much for me to remember to go out and in and out and in. So once the lows are like high enough for them to maintain outside, they go outside and it's the Ronco roaster, you know, set it and forget it. Yep. That's the same way for me. I, I don't like bringing them back and forth. It's either you're in or you are out. There is no in between. So uh, that's, that's the hard part right now is we'll get like two weeks in a row of like sixties. And I'm like, yes, it's almost time to get the tortoises, you know, coming out of the wine cooler and it'll be 35 I'm like all right well maybe but david later. you're from ohio you you've got to be aware of the 12 seasons of the midwest yeah. you know, this is that's full spring and like don't don't get caught up in that it's coming back i know i'm so used to it, the heat the heat of kansas in the summer now that i'm always like oh it's right around the corner oh no nope, it's no nope, still it's first spring <laughs> it's all right. I fall for it every single year. My wife makes fun of me all the time because I'm like, oh, next week, I think we're about ready to turn that corner. And that's my phrase, turn that corner. Um, and we, then we never turn it. And then magically it's June. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's finally here. Um, I think and I made a Ronco roaster joke and I may have uh, aged myself because <laughs> I saw Tom laugh. <laughs> yeah. And I saw dead. David kind of no. glance past it. And I was like, oh, okay. That's, I'm I'm old. Oh. Tom and I did just, what? We David, did just you have you, birthdays. Yeah, yeah. You didn't have uh you didn't just watch infomercials for fun when <laughs> nothing else was on TV and the internet didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh I 
I think I should tell my parents about this product. <laughs> I could never um, wrap my brain around like calling in and ordering something. Yeah. Like I just, I was like, you can just do that. Like, <laughs> and, and like people nowadays will never get it. So there was this, we're a little quick divergent, di- diversion. There More was divergent this, than the Ronco roast. Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> sports, sports betting. There was like this, like uh infomercial for like sports betting and they'd be like call my company and i'll tell you who's gonna win the game this this weekend so i was like 13 i called him up and they're like uh we're gonna have to call you back so the guy that was on tv called me back and said this is for adults dude don't don't call (laughs) (laughs) oh all right i'm gonna sidetrack that sidetrack to sidetrack and um when i People just don't know. I used to be a huge WWF, a WWE fan. Like the late '90s was the Attitude Era, and it was by far my favorite thing. And the internet was around, but it wasn't the internet yet. I used to call a number that was a free hotline, and they would give you tips like, "This is what's happening tonight," and and I used to be like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna make sure I'm watching at 8:30 tonight." And uh, I don't think that exists and has existed for probably 25 years. So uh, since then, but that you just triggered that old memory, Tom. I was watching every pay-per-view from like 97 to about 99. We had one friend that would get everyone. Yep. I was going to say I had friends. I didn't do that one. Monthly. We'd we'd give them five bucks. Yeah, everyone pitch in, bring over yeah. something like a giant bag of Biggs uh, cheddar popcorn. and uh... Yeah, yeah. And, you know, now we oh. like turtles. <laughs> Tom, that was freaking perfect. You brought us right back. Thank you. <laughs> that was a sidestep. Oh, my gosh. Anyways, um, where are we at now? I am, we, I mean, sports spending, WWE, infomercials. Man. <laughs> All right. I need to get my brain back on track, but um, I want to hear about David Salamanders. That's what I would love to just a brief overview. I'm really curious. There aren't too many salamander people in this world. Sure. Um, Yeah. So that was another one of those things where the year before I got into tortoises, um, I had done pretty obscure geckos for, oh man, a number of years. And like I mentioned in the beginning, it was like, I've got this cool gecko. It's in this cage full of cork. Trust me, it's in there. It's, it's awesome looking, you know, just take my word for it. After a certain while, I was like, man, I don't think I'm getting the joy out of this that I, I thought I, I told myself I was. Um, so I got, I don't even remember exactly what made me think, oh, salamanders. But somehow I ended up buying a group of Spanish rib newts. Um, I was like, oh, that's, everybody tells me these are a good beginner salamander. I'll start with these. Um, and that was just like with everything else downhill from there. You know, next thing you know, I've got blue sword tails, uh, Chinese fire bellies, crested newts. Um, gotta go through my head. Uh, long-toed salamanders. Um, alpine newts, uh, pygmy newts, um, Chinese fire bellies. Um, um, that might be it right now. I feel I've gotten rid of a couple species that uh, weren't quite doing it for me. 
Um, but you know, they're generally, they're like little crocodilians and like a, a little gummy body. That's the, that's sort of what got me hooked on them is I could just dangle an earthworm on some tongs into the water and they just come shooting out and take it from me. Um, and they're like, it mixes like, um, if you could have a crocodilian and mash it with a tropical fish and also <laughs> it doesn't eat and uh, they've got really beautiful colors and can live in your basement. They can take it cold. They're just fantastic. Um, so I'm kind of on both ends of the spectrum. Upstairs, it's tortoises. Downstairs, salamanders. Um, so I've got quite a few colonies going right now. Uh, the biggest thing has been letting them grow up. Uh, this is the first year where I should have a pretty substantial amount of salamanders. Um, um, to raise up. Uh, the crested newts are laying right now, so I'll have some of those uh, developing shortly. Um, but uh, the triturus species, 50% uh, of their eggs are always going to be bad every single time. They've got a chromosomal defect where this summer always going to go bad. Um, I actually tried, somebody had kind of mentioned, they're like, I wonder if it's like a frog where they, they've got those bad eggs and the larvae eat them. So I actually tried hmm. that out. I did not get any sort of interest from the uh, couple early larvae that hatched out. Um, so I don't know whether that's just sort of a genetic fluke that they kind of live with and it has no evolutionary purpose. But um, but yeah, that's it's kind of all over the place down there. That is very cool. I, I have these vivid memories of the grocery store in, North, in the Akron area. It was called Click, and they had really decent pet stores in the uh, store. And so my parents would go shopping, and I would just walk around the pet store. Well, they would always have a 20-gallon high full of the Western newts, like the California newts, which now, oh, yeah. I mean, like nobody has those. I mean, there was probably 30 in a tank, and you could buy them for six bucks. Uh, mm -hmm. You just, that, that world is completely gone. Yeah, it, you know, salamanders already were on the like low end of popularity across all the different facets of herpticulture. Uh, the, the bands that were kind of being talked around and, you know, some, one was passed for a while, kind of killed mm -hmm. a large portion of that trade. Species just kind of blinked out of existence. Um, thankfully, it's seen a resurgence with the uh, repeal of that. Um, so, the other side of it, though, that sort of nice is that I think people kind of no longer take for granted that they're always going to be around and cheap. You know, um, give you an example, uh, those little uh, Chinese fire belly needs you to buy at a pet store for like five bucks. Each one of those is a, is a, a young animal, not a sex. Is, that's $60. That's, you know, it doesn't seem a lot to uh, some parts of the hobby, but for salamander hobbyists, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, that actually that actually means something. I need to be a little more cautious yep. about animal I and mean, that's a order of magnitude more expensive than it was when i had yep. them when i was 12. yeah and I, people kind of now are realizing i better keep this going keep this around because there's not endless supplies coming from china anymore it's it's what we have and we need to keep it around for um, the future generations um and that's, that's sort of why I got so many at once, because like right after I got into salamanders, there was the talk of like the, another salamander ban going into effect. Mm. And I was like, screw it. I'd rather have to 
I'd rather sell animals later that don't appeal to me that I at least had a chance to work with as opposed to never being able to do it ever. So I got a large collection. Thankfully, they were all ones that already seemed appealing to me. So they are, what I have now is it's pretty much here to stay. I enjoy every species uh, I keep. Um, and so that ban, it was just before I jumped back in to reptiles after like a 20 year break. But the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, if memory serves, they shut down the interstate movement of like all salamanders. Yep. Wow. Okay. A lot. Of, it was for um, fear of introduced pathogens uh, that could affect amphibians. Um, thankfully, um, seems like people are doing pretty extensive testing. It's finding that. Um, captive populations are not nearly as like disease-ridden as we once feared uh, it could be. Um, so there are a good number of healthy populations uh, being kept around, um, being maintained for future hobbyists. Um, I'm actually growing up uh, um, some Azerbaijan newts too, which are one of those, uh, you know, Middle Eastern newts from, um, well, the Middle East. Uh, all that entire genus is uh, kind of in need of conservation just due to the fact that they've already got a limited space and their waters are pretty limited as far as uh, their, their range goes. Um, so any pollution or any sort of poaching on them ne negatively affected them pretty uh, harshly. So forgot to mention them earlier. Are they in the Nerurgus genus? Is that? Yep. Yep. Nerurgus right. corpatus. Those are some of the prettiest freaking newts. Yeah, they are the, uh, they scare me the most because of how delicate they really are. Um, you know, you're coming from crystal clear mountain waters that are fast moving, well oxygenated, and you've got to make sure you're matching that uh, one for one. Otherwise, they're going to start putting off stress toxins. And, you know, I'll be real, I, I actually lost a tank of them uh, because um, I was kind of bordering on uh, how many I could keep in a tank. It was kind of a little on the higher side, but I was like, well, I've got a really high powered filter. I'm doing pretty regular water changes. That's fine. Doesn't matter. I went from 11 in that tank to one. Yikes. So yeah, it was a harsh lesson learned. Um, Is it the ammonia the spike or... What? So yeah, it was actually when uh, I was out of town for a week, ammonia mm -hmm. presumably spiked and... You know, unlike other nudes where they might just get a little, oh, there's a little thing appearing on them. I'll do a water change and we'll settle that. Uh, no, they all just got saprolinia outbreaks all over their body. Um, and the entire colony was gone in a little under a month. Um, I had to look that up, but at the latest Cleveland Reptile Show, there was a guy that was selling those, that species that you just mentioned. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Like, he had 30 of them in a little <laughs> plastic thing. And, like... Uh, with all snakes at his table. And I'm like, did you produce oh. those? It's like, because <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it didn't make sense. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, no, one of my friends did. So I don't know how many people are producing them. But they were cool. It was the one thing that I looked at that entire show that I said, uh, I want to take that home. I didn't, but. No, all, yeah, never regrets. No. <laughs> now i have a question um i know some things about newts but there's a lot i don't know most of it actually um are newts immune to their own poison so that's 
actually not something that I'm not, I'm sure I know the answer to. I believe they are. That's what my brain says, but then I'm not sure. I think of, um, so I've worked in aquariums more than I have zoos. And we used to have these cowfish or these scrawled cowfish. They're incredibly toxic. And when they die, if they die, they will poison the entire tank and other cowfish and boxfish will also die. And I just wondered if that's something that happens in newts. If you have like one bad newt and it dies, does it shock the system and the poison could potentially um, knock out all the beneficial bacteria in the system and cause ammonia levels to spike? I don't know. You get my brain going like uh, I'm going to an aquarist and a herpetologist. So it makes my brain start thinking um, how everything affects them. Like everything is fine until it's not in an aquatic, in a captive closed aquatic system. But that's where my brain just traveled. So if anyone knows <laughs> if uh, yep. salamanders are poisonous to themselves, if they die, um, all you turtle listeners, let me know if you know that. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I knew the answer to that. Uh, I am, I have to ashamedly say I'm kind of new to both salamanders and turtles. So even though they're the biggest part of my lives right now, kind of doing a 180 on my entire collection, I'm still have to admit to myself, I'm in those phases of, I don't have all the answers. I'm still just one newbies, you know, trying to learn as much as I can too, because I, I don't know it all yet. Yeah, that's, um, that's where I've been ever since uh, until when I was first in it, I was probably a lot more um, of a butthole because yeah, I followed that. Dun <laughs> I followed that Dunning Kruger line, like to the yep. T, like a little, my little bit of experience is like, don't worry guys. I know everything I need to know until I started getting more experience. I was like, okay, I don't know anything. <laughs> so yep. I think, I yep. think I'm still at the bottom of that, of that slope and on <laughs> the, um, the uh the, the slope of enlightenment so i'm trying to go up up and reach the top again <laughs> i'm right down there in that valley with you <laughs> but well shoot um so you are gonna you've you've got your species mapped out that's pretty awesome i think a lot of folks um i can't say i have a cap i still want minoria really really badly and and they're gonna end up here I, they're um probably one they might be my favorite species my favorite genus at least uh, of tortoises but um you don't see yourself breaking your what is it four four species did i count so, i should say there is one more that um uh you know she's not here i i asked her if she wanted to join me for it and she she's like no i'm not really a podcast person but my Brittany, my girlfriend uh, she saw a picture of an ibera greek she's like mm. oh those are really cool She's like, w would we ever do those? It's like, why? Well, why not? Maybe one day we can do those. So I think that's that's the next one. If you know, well, I should say when we decide. Yeah, to, it's uh, not an if anymore, is it? No, and <laughs> I just I don't know why with tortoises and I'm just so much more nervous about adding more. I I almost feel like less has been more for me to so to speak. Um, yeah, you so. feel bad if you can't give them up, like. I guess I'm putting my foot in my mouth with snakes, but I feel like uh, with a snake or if I get a new carpet python, I can pretty easily make space and make sure that that thing gets everything it needs. But with a turtle, I want to give it more. Yep. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but um, so that's, that's why I'm hesitant to add more. Like um, I've been approached um, a time or two about receiving some 
amazing animals from incredible people and uh i hate to say like i, I just can't i can't i can't fit them i can't do it right so i'm not going to do it at all and uh it hurts to say that on because <laughs> i'm yeah. like in my 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 heart is going heck yeah send them give me 30 i don't care i'll make <laughs> i'll make the room but yet i just can't do it with with turtles and tortoises yep with the we, with some of my salamanders all it takes is like oh i'll just get a new filter a 10 gallon tank boom i've just got a pair of salamanders set up um and then with tortoises i'm like well if i get a new male russian it's gonna be another eight by four pen and well if i get another female it's another eight by eight now maybe i'll just stick with what i've got and, <laughs> you know, i, I want to make sure that everything's got enough space um so i think you know what we definitely want a larger place so if we get a larger place with larger backyard maybe the ibera greeks can kind of slip in there but where we're at right now it looks like these are what we're going to keep and what we're going to stay with although i will admit i've seen pictures of minoria and i've been kind of mm -hmm. like oh if i had a barn have uh, you worked with them at all i have not had the privilege i've heard amazing things i love them to death um all right quick question for both of you yeah. have either of you i don't know dabbled around and priced out greenhouses at all Yes. <laughs> yes, I have. Yep. Yeah, like, oh, shoot, that's that's a lot, but that's doable. That's I doable. If I just I got rid of this and <laughs> yeah, I get Facebook ads for greenhouses all mm -hmm. the time. Now. We were. You saw that one on TTPG. I think it, they shared it. Like, hey, this is for somebody. I was like, man, can I? No, yeah. no. Right. Of course you can't. Yeah. That's ridiculous. You cannot do that. But maybe <laughs> when when I when I heard the dollar amount on how much electricity uh, our friend from Germany was paying for that. I was like, okay, yeah. You really have to want it. <laughs> yeah, after seeing that talk at TTPG, I was like, wow, a greenhouse. Why didn't why didn't I think of that? And then, then reality started setting in. I was like, oh, there's a reason. Yeah. <laughs> I'll settle for a energy. cold frame. That's like a little That's greenhouse. Right. <laughs> All right guys have you had fun absolutely is there anything else that we wanted to touch on make sure you share with the masses and by masses i mean uh, upwards of 200 potential plays <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> i was wondering where we were i can't i don't know how to check downloads tom i can share with you all the I, on anchor i can show you all how many times each of our episode has been played cool that's but like eight of those are always me because I download yeah. it in Spotify. I download it. In Google. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just happy to have been able to talk with you guys about turtles and uh, kind of start working my way into this uh, very positive community of uh, people and keepers. Well said. Very positive community. Um, very welcoming community. Um, I mean, look, at I've just made friends. I've never even met Tom. We were even within a few in uh, person. And miles of each other <laughs> recently, but couldn't make it when? work out. You weren't you just down in Cincinnati? No, for I, the didn't conference? I didn't oh, go. I didn't go. Because you could have told me yes, and I would have just been like, oh. uh, yeah. No, I, it, you know, it's your birthday that day. Mm -hmm. And it's also my son's birthday. So we had his party. Yeah, he's got a wicked cool so, birthday. So, yeah. No, yeah. I would have been at your house. Yeah, you would have seen me like walk around your backyard if I like, got, who is that? got on down there. Like that someone looks, opening my turtle pens in yeah, the window, like, like oh, that looks like Tom. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, hey, so. Ryan. So I didn't want to bug you, but, you know. <laughs> David, where are you originally from? Uh, I was born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. And yeah. uh, I moved out to Wichita five years ago for a job. So Okay. I mean, I, I lived in Columbus from 2003 to uh, April 30th. 2021 oh wow okay yeah so i've i've i'm in the akron area this is where i grew up but um i worked for odnr for a long long time and uh we moved during the pandemic but yeah i'm a columbus oh, guy that would have been rough but <laughs> yeah i'm now that i'm here man the herping is fantastic you know i I love, you know, my family's all up in Ohio, so I'll go back and visit and mm -hmm. see all the old stomping grounds and everybody, but there's something about being able to drive two hours west or even 30 minutes east and seeing a rattlesnake or um, That's awesome. a copperhead and just have all the opportunities available, so. You've got awesome Great. road cruising opportunities out there, yeah. more so than in Ohio, that's for sure. Yeah, there, you... there have been, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask you if you're close to 70, I-70. Does I seventy go through Kansas? Ah, uh, I would love to say I know, but I <laughs> I am one of those people where I'm like, oh, that street name, and then just like right out of my brain. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to answer that question for you. That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> you're like, googling right now, aren't you, Tom? Heck, heck yeah, it goes it goes right through Kansas. So my point <laughs> my point there is only like three turns probably for you to get from kansas to columbus yeah that's true anywhere near i-70 and the roads are at right angles in kansas so you just find a road that goes north or south to get you uh to i-70 and you could be in the hocking hills and no time i love easy drive no. yep there you go <laughs> but no kansas is awesome it's it was the only state i think that i didn't go through when i went out west with my family like in 1991 we went north of it we went south of it but isn't the ornate box turtle the state reptile or something of kansas yep yeah yep. they're they're certainly uh, out there in droves in the spring um that's awesome uh, disappointingly more of them are roadkill than they are alive yeah um, but yeah there's tons of ornate box turtles the snake numbers out here are um uh my uh, a local herper told me that on a night of road cruising, he stopped counting Mossasagos at number 50 uh, <laughs> on a little quarter uh, mile stretch of road that he's driving back and forth on. Um, so I had a night of 119 snakes, I believe. Good there. Lord. <laughs> so Herper galore out here. Aye, aye, aye. The uh, Kanza Prairie is the other site that I've read many scientific papers about that I've always wanted to visit in Kansas. Yeah, absolutely. All right, David, what's the difference between conservation and preservation? I'm, oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what? I had that one loaded. No, that's all right. That's all right. That was a um, a heated uh, debate. A uh, heated, no, maybe. I don't know if you it's read through that one. It was a good thread on the TTPG discussion page. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of opinions, and and all of them, I think, are right, and all of them exactly I think are wrong because they're opinions. Yeah, I I saw that at post, and I kind of started reading it, and then I just kind of got busy and was like, oh, I'll come back to it, and totally forgotten about it. But uh, 
Yeah, I started typing out an answer and then I was reading through a little more. I was like, nah. Yeah. I'm not, I don't think I don't think I'm gonna respond to this one. <laughs> there was everything I, I, had already been said. I, but yeah. Everyone yeah, was I, right. That's how I, I was like, you know what? Everybody's got good answers. I've got uh, nothing important to share. <laughs> so there you are. Both are important. Both are important. Both uh, serve a purpose. All right. Tom, it's been a pleasure to see you. I like your new it's mic. Been real. Thank you. Love it. David, so happy to have you on. Thanks for making time for us. Absolutely. Good talking to you guys. Heck yeah. And uh, to anybody listening, thank you. And um, we'll see you next time on Let's Talk Turtles. Have a fun night. <laughs>